Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Geocache Adventures Facebook page, or share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the podcast. You can also join Geocache Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee. Just follow Geo Adventures. That's one word: G E O Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee and get behind the scenes on every episode or become a member to unlock other exclusive content. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon 1 here and with me today is Catherine, fellow geocacher, Timberline Echoes and also the author of the children's book We're going to find a geocache. Thank you so much for joining me. Glad to be here. So first of all, I like to know how how does everybody get started geocaching? So what is your story of how you started? Okay, our story was, well, it was just as it was becoming legal to buy a GPS and we were looking at it, but we were already, even before you could do that, we were outdoor enthusiasts. We would camp, we were biking, we were hiking, we had blended six kids together. And so we were camping a lot and hiking all the trails. So we were already outdoor enthusiasts, made our own snowshoes. So we were out winter snowshoeing. Oh, wow. We were just always (laughs) out doors and then we're educators so we had the summers off to do all that so that was good and then we had some friends local people in town here that um one day diane just said hey do you like scavenger hunts and i said sure so she wrote down geocaching.com and handed it to me on a piece of paper that was back in 2004 (laughs) so i brought it home and showed my husband and he went on the internet and said, yeah, this looks like fun. And it's a good reason to buy a GPS. You know? <laughs> so we started um, back then. You actually printed it out on paper because there was no, there wasn't the internet connection. You didn't have the right. phone. So we printed it out and we just thought, oh, we'd find 300 or 500 and we'd be done. Kind of a you know, you've camped in all these places, you're done, you know, yeah. <laughs> didn't realize how it was going to just explode like it did, you know, so yeah. it really grew. We went to, um, let's see how was I going to say, um, yeah, we were printing them out and then we just started widening our circle and going further and then started going to events and meeting people. Uh, we were at an event in uh, Green Bay one time and we realized we were in in Wisconsin geocachers, we were in a small group of the first ones to get a thousand geocaches. Oh, wow. So it was kind of, a, you know, just really fun. And then the Palm Pilots came out so we could use that for all our information and have it with us. Oh. But it was only as accurate as you had just whatever you had loaded up. You couldn't, it wasn't hooked to the internet. You just put it onto the Palm Pilot. Okay. And then you had that information at your fingertips instead of all these papers printed out that we were we were doing that. So anyway. So, so. in 2004, that's that's still pretty early geocaching mm-hmm. error. Mm-hmm. Was there what was the spread of geocaches like around you? Did you have Little to go honor. far out or um yeah, we're in northern Wisconsin, so we did we did a lot of the UP. And then down south, Little Otter had had what was, I think it was 55, 52, 55 pickup. And it was all the waterfalls. Uh-huh. Um, and then up in the UP, Poika and Butterfly were, were had a, quite a few 
that were in some really cool historical places. Okay. So we did more. We're really close to the UP. So it's just east of us and north of us. So you can go 20 miles either way and we're in Michigan. So it really, um, we did a lot up there. So there were some more concentrated areas at that point. Not like they're concentrated now. No, you still had to drive all, you know, all day. It would like if we drove all day and did what we could, we maybe would do 20 in a day. Okay. You know, it wasn't like the power trails and things that are now. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. <laughs> so you guys. It, okay. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Timberline Echoes, that's a, that's sort of a team name yes. for you and your husband, husband and right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you both wrote the book together? We wrote the book together and I did the illustrations. Yes. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about this book for those who may not be familiar with it? Sure. Well, it it was something I was going to kind of add this in. I remember as a child, there was some kind of storyteller came into our school and it was my brother and Boy Scouts or something. And they did the we're going to go on a bear hunt and they did the whole chant and they had us all, you know, putting our hands on our laps and climbing the tree and just doing all the motions. Yeah. So we're, I mean, we're encountering bears and wolves and porcupines and bobcats and we're walking through tall grass and we're crossing streams and rivers. And I just kept in the back of my head, kept hearing that chant. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going on a bear hunt. And I kept, so every once in a while I'd write a few notes down that there's gotta be a way to make that into the geocaching adventures. So I kind of had some really rough draft notes. Well, my husband and I have written some other books that we've had published. Either I did one through a publisher and the rest self-published. And so we knew how to how to do it online. Okay. So I um, said, here, you start polishing up what I want to do and I'll start drawing the pages and, and um, doing the artwork for it and then he would have to fit the wording in so we'd have to work back and forth so I'd do a sketch and then we'd figure out how the words would fit in on the pages we'd scan them in together okay yeah so then we just it kind of kept developing enough to get get the whole story out you know so that because we had we wanted to make sure we covered the different kind of geocaches that were available then because there's several now that they're that they didn't have back then like lab caches and such and but we did have you know so whatever we had we tried to cover in the book so people could kind of learn about it too but and in a fun yeah. way when mm-hmm. did you first write the book i was trying to think about that we i remember with the day we got our first proof because we were the mystery readers in kindergarten for one of our grandsons and he is now 15 so i would say we got our proof 10 years ago. Okay. It's probably, yeah, I don't know if we had a copy. If we put a copyright in there. Yeah, 2014. Okay. So, yeah. So is when when we printed, had it, actually published it. Yes. So. so what made you decide to write a children's geocaching book like this? Um. Well, I love to draw and do a lot of art. And like I said, that song kept in the back of my head or chant whatever you want to call it and then that first day when we did read it to the kindergarten class and hear the kids echo the line back they understood exactly what it was and then I hid a bear and a tick on every page or every two page spread depending on what it's about 
So the kids were all just engrossed in it. I mean, just looking, where's the bear? Oh, where'd the tick go? And so it was, it was just, I don't know. It was just heart, very heartwarming and it was just something fun we want. I wanted to do. <laughs> it is such a cute book. Thanks. And I just love the illustrations in it. It's such a fun book. And, you know, every, even, even to this, you know, now I'm going on a bear hunt and it's such a popular kid's song. Um, mm -hmm. My one mm -hmm. nephew, I think it may be his favorite song. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And he'll just do that one on repeat. He loves that mm -hmm. one. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a very easy rhythm to pick up Yes, and yes. go along with it. And I like that your book kind of gives the overview of what geocaching is mm -hmm. and in the back of it you do have a glossary mm -hmm. as well that was my husband's idea he did that yes that's the educators in us <laughs> <laughs> for sure for yeah, sure it's it's a neat book for any kid that currently geocaches but it's mm -hmm. also a great way to introduce geocaching to family setting sure and I wanted to be realistic that you know that yep sometimes there's ticks and mosquitoes and and briar bushes <laughs> you know we have we have one of one of our geocaches that's out we'll get really nice this is the best blackberry patch I've ever found and then a different season oh my gosh this is the worst pickery bushes that we had to go through <laughs> or the, you know and it's all the same cash but depending on the season you right. know and had to, it was um you know that was a people's comments on on that particular geocache so anyway have you had a lot of uh feedback about the book from people no not i mean just there are a few amazon reviews but um no not not really i don't i don't really hear we've had um of course as soon as it came out anybody heard of it wanted it for their events as prizes <laughs> but oh. we have to pay to have a copy you know it's not right. like we just get them free because we published them so that's been interesting all we did donate quite a few at the schools in our area and then for a while we spoke at different um, nature clubs or farmers markets or stuff and we'd sell our book and oh. talk about it we taught we used to teach it quite a bit and again back that was back before there was the cell phone app and there. so first you have to teach people how to use a gps and then you had to teach them how to geocache we explained that was two different things okay. so we did a lot of teaching in all different places around mostly around wisconsin i would say so anyway but now with the app it's that part's it's a lot of that's a lot easier than using the gps because oh, i can imagine that People mm -hmm. more familiar with using phone apps in general kind of right. makes the teaching. So it's it's evolved in, in a different way, right? And then we had to learn how to use it through the phone because we were so used to the GPS, <laughs> you know. But it's not bad. It was just it was just learning something new again. Do you so. ever still use uh, the GPS instead of the phone? Um, my husband does sometimes we kind of do it together just to see how accurate it took us a while to, to trust the phone and the app. And again, where we live, sometimes we aren't near a, a phone tower. Right. So we need the satellites for the GPS. So that makes a difference too. So that's the other thing is we didn't, even one time we were way out geocaching with friends and their GPS died and we, we had ours off. And we, we, were, we were so far out in the woods, out in the Nicolet, so I'm again National Forest, that we were like, we kind of knew where the river and we could have followed the river to get out, but because we all were good at being in the woods in the past, 
but we were so we realized we all of a sudden were so relying on that GPS and there's just totally died something happened to it so we got ours up and got it going to get out but we didn't even have the breadcrumb trail to get back out with so but at least we kind of knew our directions and things you know but so same with the cell phone you can be get into areas i know not as much in most of the united states but up where we are where we go sometimes there are times where there's no tower so to rely just on the on the app isn't always going to work (laughs) but more more often than not these days it does you know right and we haven't been cashing quite as much so (laughs) yeah it's amazing (laughs) how the cell phone reach has uh spread so much over the Mm -hmm. last few years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's definitely still some places where you can't use it so Mm -hmm. yeah or your battery runs out or whatever so yeah yeah. So, yeah, it just depends. Like we we really like the UP. So a lot of times we'll go up to Marquette, you know, especially if there's events. So we have a lot of friends up there or, you know, just different places or down, you know, we we, we went down to your St. Louis area by my cousins one time because they were invited us to an event. We didn't even realize it was the big annual um, Geo Woodstock. We didn't even know that's what we were going to. Oh. <laughs> but, it was a blast. We had fun. We could actually bike there from their place. So it was nice. It was oh, really it nice. Was good. Yeah. It was down there. Awesome. Do you have a favorite part of the book? <sighs> I, I, I think when the bear is in the cave, maybe, you know, because <laughs> the take on the bear, on the bear, um, you know, going to fight like the bear hunt. Yeah. I don't know. Or the berry patch, but um I don't know I had fun doing all of it you know so hiding out you know and trying to hide the geocaches for them to find on the pages and you know do you have a favorite part since you said you you know I just I don't know if I have a favorite part but I the artwork I really love when you have the dragonflies mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. there I just love dragonflies and you do the mm-hmm. wings so well to show all the little oh. uh, just uh-huh. the detail and and mm-hmm in it i love that it's oh, thanks it's just yeah. it with your permission i'd love to post a picture or two of maybe one or two of the pages sure, so people sure. can see because the artwork well, is just so cute yeah. well here's another funny story about the artwork i, I put gesso on uh, if anybody does art they'll understand gesso on watercolor paper on paper before i painted it and did the watercolored crayons well my grandson saw the original and he could touch it and there's texture to it. Well, when okay. he got the book, he was like, wait, he couldn't figure out why it, it was smooth. You know? So that was <laughs> kind of cute. cute. Again, now he's 15. He was five at the time. But, you know, but that, that's where the texture comes in on some of that is I had the gesso oh, underneath. So. Okay. Yeah. So well, it makes for a great detail. It, yeah. it really is beautiful. Did well, you, you draw from anything like maybe certain areas you'd been to before or anything when you did the artwork or did it just kind of come to you? Um, yeah, I, I think nothing specific of that. The dragonfly, um, my aunt, which I had given her dedication, though she's now passed away, um, had done some drawings and, and she had done some dragonflies that I looked at to help do the dragonfly. Oh. You know, so that was fun, you know, for, to get the, to understand the detail of it. But um, eh, I don't think there was any really like specific places that 
you know, I used to take photographs when we used to geocache and I had kept photos of them and then switched to electronic again as the cell phone developed. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a whole lot easier to keep everything electronically now. So, um, but no, I don't think anywhere anything really specific. Okay. So just being outside. <laughs> We've always loved being outdoors. <laughs> being in the, anywhere that we can be outside. <laughs> Definitely. So you mentioned the books on Amazon. Is there any other place the, the book can be purchased? Not that I'm aware of. No, okay. I mean, we have a couple in the local bookstores in town here, but that's all the rest of everything. It's got to be on Amazon. Yeah, because that's what we publish through. Okay, so, so it's, it's uh, one of those. Um, is that is that considered self-publishing when you do it through Amazon that way? So it's like a mm -hmm. publish to like print to publish. Yes. You? Yes. Okay. Cause I've done coloring books and I've done a couple other books. Well, I did, I've done one book with a publisher and I, I just, there's a lot of things that are not in your control, everything from pricing to cover design. I mean, you might have some choices on cover design, but you don't get to completely do it yourself. So I, I kind of switched to self-publishing and, but same with, doesn't matter if you publish a book through a publisher or not, you have to market. And that's, not I didn't do it to market and make money I just did it because I it was in my head and I had to get it out kind of thing <laughs> you know it was just for fun but if people enjoy it and like I said we have sent them to a lot of events and things but then we you know and I get nobody's making money off of geocaching when they hold events and stuff so I know people right prizes, but <laughs> so that's but the fun of it did you have any run into any difficulties when you did the self-publishing through Amazon? No, no. Cause like I said, we had, I had already done, um, I had an ebook and then my husband surprised me and had it printed. So he had already known how to format it. And then he's written oh. a, another children's book. Um, he had done it as a teacher, as an example for his students. Okay. And yeah. So it's Timmy, Timmy, what is it? Timmy turtle. I forget the name, but I wrote it down. <laughs> it's under James Calvetti, but it's um, he's oh Timmy Turtle's trilogy, and it just it's lessons for kids on on lying and stealing and different things. And it's a turtle, and I was going to re-illustrate it, but a friend of ours had illustrated the original one, and she oh. was like, "Oh no, go ahead and publish it with my illustrations." So he we just kept hers because she did beautiful, beautiful job. Oh, so. that was nice. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so. That was nice. And then, like I said, I, I, I do, I like to draw and I do a lot of doodling and stuff. And so my husband made a bunch of coloring books with my doodles. So we self-published those too. So, okay. So yeah. you had so a, it's, it's, it's quite pretty a bit of easy. experience by the yeah, time you did this Yeah, it's pretty easy one. to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have any advice for anybody that wants to self-publish anything through Amazon? Um, don't do it to get rich. Just do it. Um, <laughs> you, you pay for every copy and then you can sell them. And, but you have, if you think you're going to make money or these people that do make a lot of money off of it, it's marketing. You have to get out there and get, you know, and keep pushing it all over and book signings at bookstores and just, you know, make yourself out there and, and that's, like I said, I'm, I, I even all my art and different things I do quilting and fidget quilts and it's just I find people that need them and they get them 
<laughs> so it's it's not I don't like going through the whole marketing thing. That's just my personal. Some people that's their that's their thing and that's great, you know. So we're yeah, just in the aging stage of retirement of life that <laughs> <laughs> I would rather be drawing and coloring and painting and doing my stuff than trying to get out there trying to sell it. And you just like getting the creative outlet going. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there Anything else about the book or your geocaching experiences you'd like to share with us? Um, boy, I was I was trying to think about, um, you know, all the things that we did. But I think we covered really anything because we, we've geocached in all 50 states and quite a few provinces. We've driven up to Alaska and, of course, flown to Hawaii. And so we got all the states in now. When we published the book, we only had 48. But since... Thing, since that things have happened that we were able to hit the other other two states so that was that was quite some fun adventures over there too in both the through Canada and through Alaska and so that was I think our big goal I, I mean that was even my goal as a teenager before geocaching ever came out is to visit all 50 states so okay <laughs> it's kind of like that just it just and it gave us more of a reason on traveling and finding some really cool places and things as we traveled so Anyway, that's what, that's what we loved about geocaching because it takes you to what you know to the places that the locals know about and aren't on the usual radar of the tourist. Right. Most often, you know, we've even pulled into odd waysides and didn't even have the G GPS or any information on geocaching. And it's like once you've done it enough, it's like, wait, there's a crooked rock over there. I'm going to go look. <laughs> yeah, there's a geocache. <laughs> then, then we have to start figuring out which one we found. I've done that. Oh, that's Probably funny. Half a dozen times or more <laughs> down in Missouri, too, visiting friends. You know, it's like they go, How do you do that? You know, and it's like you just you learn to see things out of place, you know, your geosenses, so, as they call yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I imagine figuring out which one you found is a bit easier now with the app versus if you were having to. Oh, to print I, yeah, them. and I haven't done it since the app because then I'd probably have it with me, you know, right. have it, so, but yeah, I, but I've, I've been. In Missouri, and my husband home, and I've had to call him and say, "Okay, here's the coordinates I'm at. Can you find out what geocache is?" And sometimes it's in the beginning of the the sign-in log, you know. Sometimes right. you find the name of it, but yeah, so that's funny. It is. <laughs> I know I, I can think of two off the top of my head in Missouri. One is where Laura Ingalls Wilder was buried, I believe, in the cemetery there, and oh. then um, the one was a wayside and had tons of beautiful statues of the oxen and the wagons of the way, you know, mm. trails coming in and stuff. Okay. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, I got some pretty stuff here, but I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> so, anyway. But, uh, That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So then I turn on the GPS, okay, here's my coordinates, you know, <laughs> tell me what I got. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. I, I imagine you've seen a lot change from geocaching from 2004 to now definitely definitely <laughs> i think our gps's are pretty much obsolete you know so, anyway i have to go in the go in the museums now <laughs> so, oh that's great <laughs> yeah. but they're good for like i said good for backup and it was a good way to teach the kids our grandkids, you know, oh, how to use yeah, a, a little GPS. We have some, some of the really small watch ones, and then we had a couple Magellans and a few garments. So anyway, especially when we were teaching classes, the more of them you could have, the better it was for the for the students. So yeah, for sure. Makes sense.
Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for for getting on Zoom with me and and telling mm-hmm. us about your book and yeah. It's it's been fun hearing about it and I hope people check it out, especially if they have kids cuz it's it's such a cute kids book. Good. I'm glad I'm glad you like it and I hope yes, I hope more people, you know, enjoy it. I I, I had a lot of fun writing it and yeah, and you like you said you put a couple of pictures up, here's the cover, but you can pick up pick a couple of pages. I think if you go on the Amazon I think I had shared a few of them on the on there too. I think you did, look. yeah. Yeah. So there's one or two of like them that. where you could look inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want people to enjoy, you know, see how fun it is, but having a paper book in your hand is always nice <laughs> compared yeah. to electronic, you know, trying to figure it out electronically. So Yeah, I, I do like having the reading apps and stuff just because oh. I can read wherever. Right. But no, it, yeah. it's hard to beat having an actual book in your hand. Right. Especially if you're cuddling with a child and you want them. To, yeah. To see the book and see the pages and be looking, like I said, looking for the tick and the bear and the cash on, you know, so the other thing I wanted to make it like a, because my kid, when my kids were young, you know, the I spies were really big or oh, yeah. Waldo or, you know, so the kids looking for the things in the pages, I think that's always fun. And that the dragonfly and the, I don't know. I kind of messed up, I guess, on my spider ant thing. I said, well, maybe it's an ant. With I guess they're only supposed to have two body parts instead of three. I found that out after I made it. But um, so he's an ant on some pages, and sometimes he thinks he's a spider. That's all. <laughs> so I, I do love how the the cash container is is there for you to try to find on the page. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fun little aspect added to mm-hmm. it. And did you notice the tick changes his size too as the story goes along? <laughs> or she, I guess. I think it's female ticks that bite, right? Um, so I, I don't remember if her, I noticed that. Make or her not, get a little bit bigger. I'm going to have to look little, at it again and see if I notice the changing she size. Goes along, yeah. So anyway, except for on the one page with all the grass, and there's a whole bunch of ticks in there, not just yeah. <laughs> not just the one that's the in the story on every page, but. Yeah. So again, I just want it to be fun. Lots it of fun is and lots, lots fun of book. ways to use it. That's a way, you know, you can just read it or you can just look. Kids could just use it as a picture book if they're, you know, not at a reading age and somebody's not reading for to them, they can still go through it and find things on every page. That's oh, a, definitely. A little hidden, hidden things. <laughs> definitely. So, anyway, but yeah, I think. I think we covered everything and that I can think of. So I think we have. Thank you again so much. This is I I I don't even remember how I f- came across the book on Amazon. Okay. And but I came across it. I'm like, oh, this is such a you know, this looks good. Because I was I think I was trying to find something to to read something just something different to read with my son instead of the same mm-hmm. book over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. always trying to find mm-hmm. things and. Mm-hmm. We've been geocaching a couple of years now, and I thought, I wonder if there's any geocaching books. And there's a couple, but you know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of there's a they're few and far in between, especially mm-hmm. kids ones. And mm-hmm. I know the first one I I got a hold of that was like an adult one. The first like chapter they were the geocache was buried, and I'm like, wait a minute, who wrote this? <laughs> like, like that's not right. Geocaches, not buried. <laughs> so anyway, but um. It was a good story, but it was, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, but whatever. I mean, we're all learning how to do it. I mean, some look at mine and might say it's, 
not very professional. I don't know, but I, I like to do art. So <laughs> as long as I have fun, that's what was important to me. I feel <laughs> like when you read books that have geocaching in them, you can definitely tell if the person actually knows about geocaching exactly. or doesn't know very much about geocaching. Right. And they're just, right. They didn't do their research. For just sure. trying to add That's it almost a with any aspect. book. Yeah. Yes. With any book, you can tell a person knows that it knows what they're talking about or thinks they know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. You've been listening to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One. If you'd like to get in touch, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or go to geocacheadventures.org and you can find the information on the contact page. Theme music is by The Travel Bugs. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself, and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. 